0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive and industrial manufacturing industries and supporting ecosystems and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: That's me, Samoa. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is one of our longest-running Game Changers radio shows, and as I like to say, it's time to run and drive with the Game Changers, because this is where the best run. We have an interesting topic for you today, the new auto and mobility startups. Are they rolling along? Are they sputtering out? Are they stalling? Well, we're going to find out. So Bonnie D in the house, I have two wonderful guests, and I'll tell you who they are in just a minute. Guests, before I introduce you, wave hello to LinkedIn. We are live streaming. We're happy to be here. And hello to Thomas Pohl and Judy Cubis and David Dunn, people behind the scenes as sponsors of this series. So let's talk a little bit. I have a quote from Eric Ries, R-I-E-S. I call him a young man. He was born in 1978. I think we can agree that's young. He's an American entrepreneur, blogger, and the author of The Lean Startup and The Startup Way. Get that. Here's what he says, a startup is a human institution designed to deliver a new product or service under conditions of extreme uncertainty? Jim and Paul, I thought that was a fabulous quote. And I have one more from Eric Reese. Listen to this. There was a study done in the early 20th century, early 20th, of all entrepreneurs who entered the automobile industry around the same time as Henry Ford. Guess what? There were 500 automotive companies. They had funding, they had an internal combustion engine. Duh, of course they did. They had technology, whatever it was. They had vision. They had a mission. Guess what? Within a couple of years, sixty-six zero percent folded. Okay, so much. And that's also a quote from Eric Reese. So I have a quote from Henry Royce. He, Rolls Royce, okay. He says, the quality is remembered long after the price is forgotten. That may still be true. And I have a quote from Sir William Lyons, who is the founder of Jaguar cars, or Jaguar, as they say with the British accent on the... Yeah, Paul likes that. They have they have uh, a lot of ads on TV and radio. It says Jaguar. Okay, it doesn't cost any more to make something pretty. We're talking about aesthetics here. So we're finally seeing the delivery of new vehicles. Yes, we all know that the American manufacturing facilities for cars came to a complete halt during COVID, right? I think it was 48 days. Everything came to a halt. And now used cars are not getting... People not getting rid of them, the value's going up, and it's hard to find a new car. So the past five years, this is a broad term, has seen explosive growth in new automotive and mobility startups. And no surprise, we've got a lot going on. Each player had to do a lot of things, launch their company. They had to carve a niche in their market, whatever they thought their market was at the time, which we know could be very fluid. They had right, they had to develop their vehicles, get them into production. While establishing, oh my, here it comes, the word everybody's talking about that nobody knew five years ago, three years ago, supply chain during a global pandemic. That was a big challenge. The challenges have been immense, but they are not over. They're just coming from new directions, becoming more complex, as these companies that did survive have to scale. So what's on the road ahead? There's a driving metaphor. Sorry about that. In terms of the people, the processes, the capabilities, the startups will have to establish. They have to scale, they have to refine. How can they be successful in what is continuing to be a very competitive industry. Wave when I call your name, Jim Davis at SAP. Delighted to see you. It's been years. You've been away too long from yes, the series, it's been a while. It's been and a while. we have a newcomer to Game Changers, Paul Prail, and his last name is P-R-E-H-L at MHP. And one of his colleagues, Marcus Bollerman, has been on the show several times. And I know Marcus is promoting this show on LinkedIn right now. I've seen a lot of, a lot of posts come through this morning. So our topic again is the new auto and mobility startups rolling along or stalling putt-putt. So let's go to introductions here. Jim Davis, I'm going to attempt, we're having a lot of freezing issues here, but I'm going to attempt to put you on speaker view for just a couple seconds where everybody can see who you are and then we'll go back to gallery. Introduce yourself, please. Take about three minutes. And Jim, we want to know a little bit about what you're doing at SAP since the last time. I'm thinking, Jim, there might be about 14 people who don't remember you Last time you're on the show, talk to the well. Actually, it's 14.2, but I try to <laughs> I try to round up or down. Uh, keep keep in them in mind, but also, Jim, why are you here? What's your passion? What's so exciting about this topic? I know, but I want you to tell everybody. Jim Davis, welcome back.
2: Great, thank you, thank you, Bonnie. Thank, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my name is Jim Davis. I'm part of the SAP Automotive Industry Business Unit. Um, it's, uh, it's a wonderful job. It's one of those jobs that you can't really explain to your parents what you actually do. Um, it's uh, it, it's uh, basically a job where you sit uh, in between our customers, our developers, and our field sales guys and we translate all things automotive between those, those three, um, three entities, taking the customer's requirements, translating that into requirements to get software built, and then making sure that our field sales guys know how to, uh, make that, uh, new software, uh, industry focused software relevant for their automotive customers. So, um, you know, why am I passionate about this? Um, I think, uh, I think in my bio, I, I might have mentioned, um, you know, I grew up with, with a dad who was uh, a British sports car freak. Um, so, you know, from from my earliest days sitting in, in, in the jump seat of my dad's uh, Austin Healey 3000, um, you know, I've always been, you know, enamored with cars, uh, fascinated with the mechanics, uh, the engineering behind them, the smell of the leather. You know the wind in the hair kind of thing. So, just love things, love everything about automotive. Um, and you know what a perfect job, uh, getting to interact with uh, with with some of the folks that that build some of the most exciting um, uh, exciting cars today. So.
1: Thank you very much. I just did a show on one of my other series last week, Jim and Paul. And the topic was, How will you buy a car tomorrow? And we talked about the slow decline in in person automotive sales in what used to be called a dealership and a showroom. And the research, interestingly enough, was that consumers are less likely to go to a brick and mortar showroom to buy a car and be patient even though they're missing out in the online buying experience. They're missing out on Jim and Paul kicking the tires, smelling the leather or whatever (laughs) whatever is in those, whatever the seats are made of. Maybe it's not leather, depends on the level of the car. And they're missing out on that new car. Wow, I can feel it. I can say, I'm getting it. I'm going to go take for a road test. And they're missing. But people in the age range, 50 to 70, are not that keen on going to a dealership anymore. And I thought that was an, um, I think it was a McKinsey study just a year or two ago. They're the ones that were more interested in the online experience where you buy it, you click, it's delivered you go to a kiosk you pick it up you get four days right paul yeah try it you'll return it back if you don't like it and you start all over again try that couldn't work on that i had to buy a car in person two years ago anyway thank you jim lovely to see you when you get around to calling your dad a car freak okay and i love the idea of the the green the racing green car i can see that there were a lot of them around and okay let's go to paul Prale. paul you're new to the show we are so happy and honored that you're joining us our friends at mhp are always welcome on the show so please talk to us who are you what do you do a little bit about mhp and what's your excitement for the topic paul
3: welcome thank you bonnie thank thank you for having me paul Prell, i'm the head of r&d transformation at mhp um mhp is basically a porsche it and process management consulting company and when i say r&d transformation I mean, Jim, I can only agree with you. Uh, if I would explain it to my mom, she's probably not getting it. So uh, I, I, try, I, I really try to explain in maybe like five, five or six words. It's, it's, it's really what we're trying uh, is helping companies in, from innovation to the end, hand over to, to manufacturing in the actual product development and, and engineering uh, to just become better, become more efficient, uh, to create better and greater products. And that really in the automotive and manufacturing space. So I'm 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 really happy to be here. And um, yeah, from from my background, or why am I passionate about it? I think I mean, working for a an auto or one of the greatest automotive companies. But also, uh, 24 years ago, I was really sitting uh, in the back seat of a um, of a Porsche the first time, and um, coming also from a family where my grandfather was an engineer and my parents were business people. And like right sitting in between that right now in my job is just, it makes me makes me super happy. And then working with a lot of companies there um, is, is just amazing. So I, I'm, I'm so happy to be here and, and uh, share my my experience and thoughts today.
1: Thank you very much. And I have a question for both of you. I don't have any statistics on how many of these new companies we're talking about today. I don't have any numbers. I don't expect you all to just manufacture statistics on the fly here. But the question is, if we had to judge on one to 10, what are the chances, one being go invent some other business to tend to, yeah, you really might make it in the next two to three years. What do you think the chances are for, and no particular startup, but what do you think the chances are of actually making it and having a a foothold in the automotive industry in the next, let's say, five years as a startup who started, let's say, in the past two to three years? Just in general, this is not an interview, but I, I think our audience would like to know our overview of the thoughts before we get into the nitty-gritty of the topic. Jim, just quickly, what do you think? Are the chances good, bad?
2: Well, bon- Bonnie, you brought it up at the beginning of the show, right? Um, at the turn of the century, there were you know, hundreds of brand new automakers taking advantage of new technology, new production processes, new, new concepts, things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, um, by the by the mid nineteen twenties, that number was significantly, you know, narrowed down. I think we'll see a you know a similar trajectory. Um, you know, there there will be a few uh, survivors that that will, you know, do some great things. They'll be the next big, you know, uh, big automakers in uh, you know for the next century. Um, but a lot of them, you know, may get acquired, may you know go the way of the dinosaur. Uh, we just don't know, but, um, you know, picking a winner, totally impossible. We, we won't know until, uh, until we see it.
1: And getting acquired would be a good thing for these companies. Where In that some it's cases, called, yeah. It's called the exit plan, right? You start a That's business right. and you've got an exit plan. Somebody buys you, pays you a lot of money for your company. Paul, love to get your thoughts on this. What do you think? What are the chances?
3: Bonnie, I, uh, just, just by accident, I, I prepared some, some statistics. I have some statistics <laughs> in the back of my, my hands here. I, I will give you a couple of numbers, right? So since 2010, think about it, $330 billion were spent on over 2,000 mobility companies and startups in the autonomy, connectivity, electrification space. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Like 2,000, I would have never guessed so much. And now think about it, over 90% of all startups fail. And you, you thought about like, or you, you said something like in the next two to three years, even companies that are around two to three years in the market fail to 75%.
1: Wow. Is the show over or do we have anything to talk about? (laughs) Paul, I'm very impressed with the statistics. Um, This probably is across the board in starting a new business in any field, but this is a field that is so visible, right? So I'm going to use a corny word. It's so electric in terms of our mindset. Oh, a new car company. Oh, a new EV battery company. Oh, a new autonomous vehicle testing company. There's so much because we all have to get from point A to B. Right, Paul and Jim? Whether we're driving our own car. And I always ask on the automotive shows, Jim, what do you think? Will you have your own keys to your own car in your pocket in three years after the show? Well, we'll, we'll do that at the end. But the point is that it's such a high visibility. It's not like, oh, we're making a, pl- a new version of plastic cases for iPhones. It's like, okay, there's 15 billion of those. Will anybody ever know about it? A car, makes the news, right? A battery makes the news, autonomous driving makes the news, car sharing makes the news, how you sell and manufacture and upgrade vehicles makes the news, whether you go from combustion, if you're sustainable, if you're a hybrid, this is top of mind. So the visibility factor right, Paul is so high. For these startups, that it's a whole different ball game than just doing something quietly in the background. Paul, you're my hero. Jim, sorry, I like you too, but you're my hero for having the statistics. Paul, are those depressing those statistics, or does it make it even more of a challenge for the brave? What do you think?
3: No, I think it's it's even encouraging. I mean, think about two two thousand mobility companies in the last 20, twelve years. I mean. There were so many people behind it, being brave, having an idea, having a business case behind it. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking about co- like companies that that I work with. Uh, in the first, in the first look, you would think, oh, they're all doing the same. They're all doing an autonomous uh, driving vehicle. They make autonomous driving trucks. But in the end, the business case, the idea is slightly different. The problem that they're solving is slightly different. And so I think. Um, the best problem solving, the best um, not only idea but then also like company growth scalability um, uh, will help in the market. But I think it's it's super encouraging, um, and and just I mean I was I was in California last week. There was the Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance, and there were so many au- new automotive companies um, being there. Not only the old ones but all the new ones, although new market entries um, were there as well. And I think that that's encouraging as well.
1: Time to line up and get ready to help somebody with their exit plan, right? Find the promising ones and say, we're watching you. We're watching you. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Maybe we want you to be part. Who knows what MHP will do? Who knows what? Well, SAP is a software company, but who knows what some of your customers, Jim, will do in terms of uh, acquisitions and mergers. So let's move on. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. I wasn't planning that, but it just seems so appropriate to talk about, let's let's take a really top line view of our topic and say, well, what are we really dealing with here? It's, it's nice to have a broad brush topic and uh, the future of, but when you really get down to it, why is it important? Because of what Paul said, there are so many startups and they do have braveness and they do have boldness and they do care and they do want to help all of us somehow with our mobility, and that's what we're here to talk about. So let's go on, Jim Davis, I asked you and Paul to send me a fictional quote from a character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. There are a lot of songs about cars, but I'm glad you didn't pick one because I wouldn't have used it. And you're (laughs) going to take the quote you sent me and you're going to interpret it in your own words, two or three minutes, please about what you think it does have to do with the topic. So Jim has picked a Rush song called Tom Sawyer, Canadian rock band Rush, released on their 1981, do the math, that's 19 plus 22, 41 years ago. Moving Pictures, Lead singer-bassist and keyboardist Geddy Lee referred to the track as the band's defining piece from the early 80s, one of their best known songs and a staple of their live performances. Okay, here is the quote, he knows, Changes aren't permanent, but change is. Wow, Jim, that's one of my new favorite iconic quotes about change. We, we always, you know, Judy Judy Cubis, who sponsors this series, one of her favorite quotes that I use as an example, Paul, you get a kick out of this, is David Bowie's change, song changes. Cha 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 changes, turn and face the strange. I think, Jim, you have one up that one. All right. T- don't tell Judy if you're listening, I won't tell don't Judy. don't be upset. Jim, talk to us. Tell us how you picked the quote and what it means. Yeah, um,
2: well, hey, one of one of my best friends in in high school was uh, was was a huge Rush fan, so you know I had to uh, had to listen to Rush quite a bit uh, back in my high school days, and um, you know I I think Tom Sawyer, like you said, quintessential you know uh, the quintessential Rush song, but you know one of the things uh, about Tom Sawyer, you know Tom Sawyer's kind of supposed to be you know, kind of uh, the everyman, a free thinker, a rational thinker, that type of thing, um, and you know, he's he's uh, really on the path towards you know finding truth, and um, you know, he 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 runs up against you know naysayers obstacles you know the friction of the day uh in the song um but you know despite those obstacles you know he's he's really out there looking for the truth and um you know the line you know he knows he knows changes aren't permanent but change is Mm -hmm. means that tom sawyer really understands that you know he can really affect change he can he can make change happen But the world is going to, you know, be the world Um, and there's barriers and and uh, things that are going to get in his way Um, uh, so that he has to realize that, you know, no matter what he can do to 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 change the things that uh, that he can, uh, the only constant thing uh, in life is that change is going to happen. And sometimes you can you can influence it, you can control it. But sometimes you're just uh, you're not in the driver's seat; you're in the passenger seat. So
1: thank you for that driving metaphor i appreciate that very much (laughs) (laughs) i tried in my opening with the stalling or sputtering along and vroom we want to we want these startups to go vroom right thank you very much i like i like the quote and it's very well put for the topic so change is our constant right now absolutely it has been is anything in the world what we thought not getting into politics not getting into health but everything is different right now because we're in, in an era of change. Ooh, can I copyright that? We're in Lera, uh, the siècle de change. <laughs> Paul, Paul, you'll help me with that. Paul Prell, let's look at your quote. This is very interesting quote from Peter Brand who is the assistant GM general manager of the Oakland A's, played by the one and only Jonah Hill, who has lost so much weight. I saw his picture online. You can't even recognize him. He looks like a kid, right? A little kid. Speaking to Billy Bean, B-E-A-N-E, the Oakland A's general manager, played by the one and only Brad Pitt. The movie, of course, is Moneyball 2011, American biographical sports drama film. Uh, let's see, written by Alan Sorkin. He was one of the writers based on Michael Lewis's 2003 book about the Oakland A baseball team. And Billy Bean was devastated because they lost to the Yankees in the American League division series, and he didn't have a budget. So they went out and they found all these cast-off players. Nobody wanted them, but they didn't have money. And then he met Bean, who was a Yale economics graduate with radical ideas about evaluating players. And they put together a winning team and they bought brand from the Cleveland Indians, which I thought was interesting. Here is the quote. Listen up. People who run ball clubs, they think in terms of buying players, your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs. Oh my, Paul, bail me out here. What in the world does this have? I'm not a baseball person. So what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead, Paul. (laughs)
3: <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Bonnie. And by the way, I'm, I'm also not a baseball person, but I really like the movie. And so it's, that's, it's kind of funny. No, what, what I thought about this uh, quote, and, and, and when, I, when I saw that quote, I was really thinking about, okay, that's, that's a typical mistake, not only large OEMs may be doing, but also startups and scale ups are having, they always think, or, or they typically look for the obvious. And if you would just go for the obvious, just buying the right players, buying the most expensive players, and therefore going into the most, maybe, um, or into the best market, looking just for the best product. What is out there? What can we maybe copy? What can we uh, bring out in the market? No, if, if you really want to sustain from my perspective, if you really want to sustain in the market, you should not go for the obvious, but really think, think twice. And then not go for for buying the best players but maybe going uh, for buying runs and therefore buying uh, and and looking for what can make me really successful in the market and i think that's that that's that's a good starting point for the discussion today
1: thinking outside the box right don't don't go for the obvious and interesting in the field of startups and automotive and the big term of mobility They have to go for the niche, don't they, Paul? They have to find, what is that little thing that's missing when you want to invent something, create something, you can't say, I'm gonna do, I don't know about me too, well, it's a car, okay, it has wheels, it goes, right? how does it go? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What are the emissions? Is it sustainable? Is it something that's going to not contribute to the climate issue? Is it something that people are going to enjoy driving? Is it at a price point? But you got to find that niche, that one. And that's why I quoted Jaguar in the beginning. People remember the quality, the design past what they paid for it. You've got to find that niche. People, I think we're all into niche thinking right now. What's a little different? What's going to make me feel better? What's gonna make my life better? What's gonna help me contribute possibly to making the world better, not damaging the climate anymore? There are all kinds of all kinds of strategies and all kinds of value judgments, right, Paul and Jim today. So the question is what what is the niche? And then the, the big thing now is I want an electric car. Where am I going to plug it in? Where's the charging station? How long am I going to sit in a parking lot for three hours waiting for the battery? Do I get to my friend's house for dinner or I get stranded? What's it going to cost me? All kinds of things. And so where are the chips? Where are the chips? They're in the Toll House chocolate chip bag, but they're not, they're not available coming into the manufacturers. So much to think about. Thank you both for your quotes. I appreciate it. Let's move on to our roundtable formal round table. Jim Davis, I'm looking at statement number one. This is really basic. Let's talk about this. Take two to three minutes. Unpack it, please, Jim. And then I'm going to ask Mr. Paul Prail. Paul, you know the instructions. Sit on the edge of your chair. You don't want to miss a thing that Jim is going to say. And I want you to agree or disagree and take your time with that. And then I'll pick a statement from you, Paul. I'll put it in the chat for you and we'll go back and forth. Ping pong. Here we go. Jim Davis says, as companies scale, the challenges will always be to keep people, processes, and business capabilities in line with the goals of providing the customer with the experience they expect, whether it's the product, the purchase experience, or the ownership experience. And this goes to what I was saying: is what is that niche that will capture the market that will make you successful? Jim, talk to us, please.
2: Yeah, and and I'm going to relate this back to you know uh, Paul's Paul's quote, right? Um, in in terms of you know, uh, buying, buying runs. Right. So, you know, I think, you know, as, as the companies grow, right. You, they do need to really focus on all of these three components, right. The people that are, that are in the company, the processes that are running the business and the, in the business capabilities, what can they do in terms of their engineering capabilities, in terms of their, uh, manufacturing capabilities or supply chain capabilities—all of these things kind of have to be really focused on, um, you know, providing whatever that differentiator is uh, that they've carved out, uh, you know, in in their niche. And 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 to take it back to to buying runs, right? It's really being able to focus on being able to focus on the the. The key capabilities or the key processes um, that really drive those differentiators, right? That have the multiplying effect. Um, you know, back to Moneyball, it's it's you know the, the the ability to get runs was was that key differentiating factor that made the difference in in being successful. And I think that's where um, you know a, a lot of the companies have a challenge, right? They've got a lot to do. They've got a lot to focus on, um, you know, uh, with respect to their product, with the, with respect to the operations of their company. But they, you know, really have to make sure that they, um, you know, uh, focus in on those things that are most important to to driving that success, and really make sure that they're they are aligned with, um, you know with, uh, with what the, those customers' expectations are. Right. Thank and that's, you. yeah,
1: keep, keep going a little more, go ahead.
2: No, and, and that's where we see, you know, uh, a lot of the companies stumble, right? They'll lose that focus and, um, and that's where they get into trouble.
1: But you have to know who your target market is and what Absolutely. they want if you don't do your persona research if you don't do your market research how will you know and everything is in flux right now and teenagers are not even getting driver's licenses because they won't need to own a car and they won't need to know how to drive so the market is changing downstream or upstream in terms of the youth and who's going to be buying their products maybe it'll be a group paul prail agree or disagree i'm ready go
3: Uh, i i fully agree with with jim i I just um, would add maybe two more thoughts to it first um, I will uh, when when you were saying it's it's about the people, process, and business capabilities. Uh, I typically refer to this as uh, being the PMTO and uh, O holistic approach, meaning processes, uh, tools, methodologies, and organization. Like those four levers are really driving a a holistic. Change or driving a the Can you release repeat release. those
1: four again slowly? I want everybody, I'd I, I like our audience <laughs> to take notes because we don't usually get this kind of a level. Go ahead, Paul, say them again, please. The four levers, yeah. go ahead.
3: So the four levers are P, M, T, and O process, methods, tools, and organization. Those, only if you have those four levers uh, aligned and focus in your areas, then you can drive the change and then you can drive uh, either product quality, customer experience. Um, or like ownership experience, as, as, as you were saying, Jim. And so adding, adding this this to the picture, um, I think, and focusing on the right things, like what what is a real business impact also, um, that, that will be my, my second thought here is um, you could change your HR process, but maybe that, that doesn't have the right business impact right now. So really focusing on this, um, I, I would fully agree with you, Jim.
1: Jim comments back, Paul. I'm putting a statement in the chat for you. Jim, go ahead. Comments back to Paul, please.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I love that framework that that comes from my my background as well. Um, you know the uh, uh, you know, I think the trick is to keep keep all of those four things aligned, right um, and uh you know having having the formal framework does uh, does help you keep all of those things in mind um when you're focusing on either an opportunity or a problem
1: thank you very much i'm trying to get us back to gallery view and my linkedin is oh there we go we're back okay a little freezing issue here you know when you get a lot of power outages and everything goes blip in the middle of the night What can I say? Thank you very much for that first statement, Jim. We appreciate it. Paul, I'm looking at your statement number two. Let me read this and then let's see. Okay. All right. Microsoft Word is freezing, but I can still see it. Here we go. Due to the current 2022 market situation, I really want you to expand this, Paul. Inflation, and here we go. Here's the big one. The reluctance of venture capitalists. This we haven't talked about yet. Companies are forced to focus on two things. Externally, on generating revenue and returns, and internally on achieving efficiency gains, what is more important? What comes first? Where's the funding come from? How do you pay your bills and how do you eat while you're developing your company? Paul, this is a great, Jim, agree, this is a great statement to take us yep. to the next level of the conversation. Paul, go ahead, please.
3: Yeah, thank, thank, thanks, Bonnie, for, for picking that statement. So maybe um, just to give, give some background here. I mean, we all heard about market situation right now. We feel it at the gas station. Um, like everyone is, is is realizing that on, on their own, but especially um, young companies, startups and scale-ups in, in specific um, need to deal with that on a way larger scale. Um, again, I have, have some just to, to fill that with, with some statistics, if we look at just the funding uh, by stages. So, I mean, in the, in the startup scale-up stage, you, you typically have like seed funding, early stage, late stage technology growth. And if we just look from the peak end of 2021, where a lot of deals were made with a lot of money, we, we just know every day in the news, hundred million spent on this company, hundred million spent here. If we look at it now, especially late stage. So the companies we're talking today, um, this funding just uh, reduced by over like 25 to 30%. Um, so there's not so much money in the market anymore and venture capitalists and, and the money money gavers, uh, they're, they're a little reluctant. And so they're, they're not looking only at the typical growth 50, 60, 70% growth or like the the new business idea, the the niche that we were talking about, they're now also looking at bottom line uh, revenues and returns. And so the focus of those companies now is on really delivering the product. It's not so much anymore on building the next great company, building the next super software, building the next, um, testing maybe even the third or fourth prototype. Now it's really about focusing on how can we ramp up production, how can we bring that to the market, and how can the business case that we thought about uh, make sense and really uh, create returns. And that is contrary to looking internally, so everything we talked uh, about before, looking internally and creating efficiency gains internally, working on processes, um, creating IT capabilities, etc., etc. So this balance now, Because of not having so much money in the market, um, looking into bringing out a product fast, but still growing and still trying to be more efficient, create a culture, create collaboration internally, that's one of the biggest um, um, things I, I currently see in the market
1: thank you very very important to cover this part of the topic Jim Davis we'd love yeah. Jim are you sitting on the edge of your seat you got absolutely okay please <laughs> go- go- I said that to Paul it's time for you Jim we'd love to get your POV on this what do you think
2: yeah and and Paul I agree it's 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 a big shift in in the funding situation for all of these companies and I think it's it's starting to drive um even some strategy changes right so we're we're starting to see companies um, really like you said focus the sh- or shift the focus on to um, either getting vehicle production ramped up a little bit quicker getting vehicles into the market and into customers hands to get that revenue um, coming in as a funding source that that um, uh, that can drive the the, the company forward um, we're seeing some companies shift focus uh, maybe to uh, a little bit different uh, vertical integration strategies moving into battery production um, for EVs so that they can um, not only secure their own battery supply chain for their own vehicles um, but potentially become uh, suppliers to other uh, EV manufacturers and thereby also um, get a different source of revenue Right, from from other EV companies um, that are that are uh, buying batteries from them um I think I think this uh, this will definitely shake a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, companies out of, you know um, uh, into m a or or out of the market that type of thing but I think it will also force the companies um, uh, to to really, focus on on striking that balance right on on uh doing things better from uh an internal efficiency Mm -hmm. standpoint as well as you know uh continuing to accelerate the introduction of the product right um so i think i think we will see some shifts in strategy um due to the money starting to dry up Mm -hmm. and and some of the economic factors but um but i think overall it'll make The companies that do survive um, uh, to be much more healthy um, because they will have had to go through this uh, um, I don't know uh, this this cauldron um, to uh, make sure that they're they're going to be tough as nails right I think one of the other interesting pieces here is um, it is driving the new companies um, to uh, basically, get into the game of uh, let's say the incumbents, right? All of the old established companies. It's making them start to play their game, right? Where the name of the game is how do you produce vehicles in uh, you know with high quality at scale with efficiency, um, and that's also going to be a tough new reality for a lot of these companies um, because uh, as as the first entrant into the market Elon Musk mentioned, right? Making cars <laughs> is hard. <laughs> 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 right. So thank I think
1: uh, much, be a Thank you very much Jim, thank you. And I'm thinking of the uh, parallel industry in a way banking, look at Neo Banks, look at what is a bank is it is it a, a an ATM on a corner somewhere is it a, an organization that doesn't have the word bank in its name? Look at the the mushy lines, the blurred lines, if you will, of of that industry and look at what mobility and automotive is becoming. Is it batteries? Is it charging stations? Is it chips? Is it a car? Is it what used to look like a car? Is it a Jetsons thing? What is it? Is it a ride sharing? Is it a car sharing? Is it a, is it a fleet management? What is it? There's so many places it could go. And how do you express that in your initial request for funding? Paul, I want to go back to you and get you to comment back on what Jim said about your statement. And Jim, your, your statement is already teed up for the next one. Go ahead, Paul.
3: Yeah. Th- 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 thanks, Jim. So maybe maybe two two things. First, I really like the idea of um, uh, like the companies that will survive the current situation uh, will sustain. I mean, there's this. Uh, uh, I'm not saying a quote, but maybe maybe a little sentence of a metal is forged in the fire, right? So that's um, that 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 that's really the case right now, and. I also like the idea of like vertical integration or even being a vertical integrated supplier. So creating new revenue streams, maybe the, the, the things that um, a scale-up is really comfortable with, just bring that to market. Work um, with, with other companies, maybe um, more traditional OEMs in a specific space and provide a battery, provide a drivetrain, uh, maybe provide your autonomous vehicle stack and, 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 mm-hmm. and sell that. Or what's also driving is maybe a totally different idea is the introduction of new um, contract manufacturers that are specifically um, looking or or are specialized in EV automotive manufacturing. So um, if you are on on the edge of scaling um, and you may be running out of money or uh, you thought your first strategy was to really end to end from innovation to production, have everything in-house. And now you're you're facing the issues of ramping up production uh, and seeing as as you quoted Elon Musk, like producing a car is, is really tough. Um, why not why not working with external suppliers as well that are used to doing that and now ramp up the production through them um, and have a, a faster go to market?
1: Thank you both. Very interesting topic. Let's move on. Jim Davis, I'm looking at statement number three, taking it to the next level. We've been talking about startups entering the field, starting with their niche. Who is the audience? What's the product? What's the experience? What do you think people want? How are you going to sell it? How are you going to get the money? Let's move on. You say managing the transition from small startup to a mature company is hard. Yes, we're keeping that in mind here. You don't want to lose the pioneering, do-whatever-it-takes attitude, but that can only take you so far. Jim, I don't want to read the rest of it. I want you to unpack it for us. Please go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, this is this is where I've seen, you know, uh, companies start to struggle is uh, number one, you know, as they start to scale, they're bringing in tons of people. Right. Um, And at the same time, they're trying to introduce their new product. So, you know, hairs on fire, you know, building cars hard, Uh, you know, the the parts aren't here, Uh, the plant is not working, you know, as we expected, all this sort of stuff. All of this is going on at the same time. Uh, As you're trying to bring new people into the fold and uh, explain to them how your company works, and how things get done, um, and this is this is a huge challenge I think for for um, a, lo- a lot of companies as they start to scale up, because you know if if you don't have the processes established um, and at least stable enough and working, um, it's really hard to bring new people in and train them um, on a process that isn't stable, right? Um, same thing with technology. Obviously, I d- don't want to don't want to go all SAP on you, but you know, it's all you know. Uh, you do need to have the business capabilities um, instantiated in in your system so that you know those processes work and that they um, uh, that they can get the parts to the line on time and um, not too many and 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 uh, uh, but just enough. Um, So, all of those kind of things um, need to really uh, be able to scale and grow together. You know, the people, uh, the amount of people, trained people, uh, knowledgeable people, executing a process uh, that makes sense, that is doable, and, you know, with the supporting systems that can help those people execute those processes. So, I think, you know, being able to focus on that as you grow, um, you know, is, is super important and, and staying out ahead of it. Um, you know, uh, making 10 or 15 cars a day is, is much different than making, you know, um, uh, 1700 a day. Um, and to be able to, uh, step through that scale, um, in a structured, structured enough and, uh, solid enough way is, is super important. Um, and, and that doesn't happen by accident, really. You have to plan it out. You have to think about it. And you have to make sure that all of that stuff is in line. Um, uh, otherwise, you'll have chaos.
1: <laughs> well, chaos is good when you're beginning a company, but not when you're trying to keep it moving along, right? Rolling exactly. along. Paul, comments, please. And Paul, by the way, a lot of what Jim said was contained in your statement number three, which I was going to pick next, so I won't. But you talk about scalability involves new technology, IT technology growing, headcounts, new markets. So pick any part of that and agree or disagree. Go ahead, Paul.
3: Yeah, I, I again, I, I agree with Jim. I, w- I would just add maybe also here a couple of things from from my perspective. A lot of companies that that I work with uh, when when we come in and we talk exactly about what you were saying, Jim, oh, we need to be more structured. We need to create collaboration and processes and like help you really to scale. First, the first, uh, feedback was, oh, we can't lose our flexibility. Flexibility is key. The chaos that we're working in right now makes us innovative and, and brought us where we are at right now. And that's totally true. I mean, it, it brought you there, but now to make the next step, it's really to find the balance between um, the, the flexibility of being still coupled to people, right? So having like the right people in place for the right, for the right topics, give them the freedom to be innovative and, and maybe also work along maybe a different process than you would typically do maybe in automotive to come to those new ideas. But on the other hand side, if you introduce or if you grow from 200 to 1500 people in two years, um, to your point, Jim, there need to be some sort of process to be aligned that the, the innovative um, topics are also um, they, that they are driven in the company and that it, they're aligned with the process that goes into manufacturing, that goes into purchasing, that goes into finance. And so that not everything is flexible, but that we stay as flexible enough. To still be those innovators in the market, but then also to 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 grow and introduce new people to grow um, the company. And, and Bonnie, to my to my statement, typically what we see then is, oh, we need to bring new IT capabilities in, and then we drive IT, and dri- IT will drive everything, right? And or oh, we grow the headcount, and then with introducing new, very experienced people, we we can ah, we can overcome all those hurdles and challenges. I don't think so. It's um, like back to my, back to my statement, the, the more holistic idea of like processes, methods, tools, and organization in that um, like all balanced out will really help and drive um, sustain a, a, a sustained growing company.
1: Thank you. We need to get Jim to respond to that. Jim, what do you think? Is it going to drive everything, solve everything, make all the problems go away? Is new technology going to be wow? Look what's here. We're all yeah. okay. We're fine. Go ahead. Absolutely respond not. To Paul.
2: <laughs> I don't think technology is 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 really the answer. I think I think the people in the processes or or the the um, the, the process tools methodology really needs to drive the technology right um uh because that's um uh, that that's that's really how that gets done um uh because at the end of the day it's it's the people that are going to be driving the processes um and uh they need to be bought in they need to be aligned and 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 make sure that they uh keep the train running right and you know the interesting thing too Paul that you mentioned right is is you know you don't want to lose that innovative spirit um uh, uh, but you can't, you can't live in chaos, right? Uh, the entire time. So you need some very structured, some very conscientious and very orderly people in your organization, right? that uh, that, that live inside of boxes and build boxes and and build borders. Um, so, you know, I, I think the big trick is to to really, uh, you know, make that organization live right on that that fine line, um, between order and chaos, right? Um, and uh, um, you know keep the spirit, but make sure that the people uh, have a chance of, uh, you know getting the job done because the job's stable.
1: I have a question for both of you. We have, oh, seven minutes left. I have one more statement from Jim. I'm going to read if we have time. but my question for both of you, and let me start with Paul on this one, if we had to write out, define the persona of the best person to lead a startup in this in this environment, in this field, something broad called mobility, we've talked about a lot of options here, who could have the personality, the perseverance, the processes, I'm on a P rant here, you know, um, that person who would be best to lead, who can accept chaos, who can give up sleeping, maybe give up eating, who can balance somehow family and social and lead a group of people toward this vision, which I said Eric Reese's his definition of of a startup is something that is it's a totally uncertain. It's some, it's a person who's trying to do something with a product or solution and there's no uncertainty that they're going to succeed. Who would that person need to be in this environment today? I think that's something we can address right now on the fly. This wasn't planned, but I know the two of you can handle this because this yeah. is part of the discussion. And, and Jim, you may remember, I always try to take the topics back to the people, back yeah. to who are the people who do this? We say, a company should, and you should, and you need to. Well, who is the you? Paul, I'm going to let you start on this one. Who would be the best leader? I don't care about gender. I don't care about age. I don't care about size. I don't care about college education, but who would be a person who could do this today? Who could be the one we might talk about if we did a part two of this topic? Who would be the case study we talk about? What would they sound like, look like, be like? Paul, go ahead.
3: Great question, Moni. Um, So while you were speaking, I I was trying to to think about a couple of uh, um characteristics and and i would say it's a visionary strategist that can a visionary strategist that can communicate this vision and strategy down to um down to the shop floor at, at, at at least and is also eager enough to roll up the sleeves and get the things done um and within his his or her they them yep
1: you got it you covered it
3: (laughs) vision and strategy also the um, the change of the necessity of a change should be ingrained so the necessity of a change of my vision and strategy in the first place is maybe to uh, create the best customer experience in autonomous driving. And this is really driving my, my venture capitalist. But then in the next stage, th- this person needs to be also able to, to, to change their thinking and the vision along the way. And then still, again, need to be able to communicate and, and uh, make it understandable for anyone in the company.
1: I love that. Visionary strategist who can communicate and lead. Paul, you <laughs> nailed, yeah, it. Totally I, nailed it. Totally nailed it. There's a job description. Somebody get this. Somebody put this out. Some Jim, we got to get you. We have three minutes yeah. left. So I think this will be our, our closing statements. Jim, what do you think? Agree or disagree with Paul? And you're, feel free to add words to that no, job description. Go ahead. No,
2: I, I I totally agree. But what, I think what the most interesting that, thing that, that Paul points out is the absolute rarity of the person that he described right um you know creative people um are often the 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 most incredible people to uh come up with uh with new ideas with with uh new companies to start new companies but but they often fail because they don't have the conscientiousness and the orderliness to be able to organize and communicate and make that vision into a reality, right? So that combination of, of, a, of a creative person plus, plus the um, uh, the structured side of, of the person that, that Paul um, describes is such a rare individual um, that uh, I think that points out, you know, the, the, the struggle, right. There's only so many Henry Fords in the world, um, that can come up, you know, with, with a new way of doing something or a new product or, uh, that type of thing and just have the tenacity and the, the grit to basically, um, see it through and be able to, you know, roll up his sleeves, talk to the, you know, talk to, and, and be able to, uh, you know, be the example from, you know, the top floor all the way down to the shop floor. It's just a very rare individual indeed um, that has that that kind of uh, breadth and expanse.
1: Tenacity, grit. Wow, we, we've we come up with, I think we've developed a persona. This, this would be interesting to start this as a, a thread to see if we get comments. We've got quite a few people watching this on LinkedIn and I wanna say thank you to our viewers. People have stuck with us the whole time. Usually it's one or two, we got more than that. And I, I appreciate that. Interesting question is who would be, and we're not picking, I, I love the way you said, Paula, he or she or they, it's, it's obviously anybody who identifies as anything, but yes, thank you, uh, Matt just told us we have two minutes left, so we're just about there. Uh, interesting, because it does always come down to the people, right? The person can be structured, the person can be holistic, the person can be process-oriented. They, but I loved, Jim, what you said, rare. It is rare. rare. How many heroes? And and look at my opening again, that there were over 500 companies that had everything that Henry Ford had. And 60%, I'm surprised it was only 60% that failed. Aren't you, Paul, with your statistics? 60% failed out of 500? That leaves a heck of a lot, but that was a long, long time ago. So my question to both of you before we end is, let's see, today is 2023. We're August, I'm no, sorry, 2022. I lost a year. Whoops. Uh, 2022 one year from today, Jim Davis, will you still have the keys to your own car in your pocket or on your credenza or wherever you are or somewhere? Will you still be driving and owning your own car, Jim?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, will I'll be, uh, going back to rush. I'll be, I'll be the guy in red barchetta you know, tearing through, tearing through the, uh, uh, countryside, trying to uh, av- avoid the uh, the overlords, trying to uh, uh, quash my love of uh, owning my own vehicle. Watch
1: so. out for Paul on the car. <laughs> Paul, will you be still driving your own car? Do you have a car, Paul?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought or so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Oh yeah. Will you still be same own keys, Paul?
3: Uh, I think th- use case based. I would have my my weekend or uh, overland outdoor car uh, maybe, but. Um, for maybe a commute or uh, driving to dinner, uh, I might use one of those autonomous uh, cars in the future.
1: Thank you very much. I want to do a shout out to, again, our sponsors, Judy Cubis, Thomas Paul, David Dunn has done some shows with us. Jim Davis, you organized this one. Great job. Couldn't have picked anybody better than Paul Prail. And MHB, don't go away, guys. We have to take some pictures. Thank you to Matt at Voice America for getting us on the air. Thank you to our LinkedIn audience for sticking with us. I am so impressed that you stayed with us today. That's great. And uh, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, Bonnie D. in the house. Happy to be here and so happy that we've continued this series, because When Judy Cubis took it over a couple years ago, it was just the future of cars. You remember that, Jim. And she expanded to mobility and manufacturing, and we get a real breath of, and we we come into that manufacturing as part of what we're talking about with auto, automotive and mobility. Anyway, I'm rambling. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Don't go away, guys. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jim Davis, wave goodbye. Just like Paul Prell and MHP, wave goodbye. Bonnie D saying goodbye. We'll talk to you next week or the week after every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Check us out.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Mobility and Manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.